What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Remember Country Music Podcast. As usual, I'm Kyle Corbus. I'm really excited today. I, I I know I always say this, but but I I just really am. It's just been one of those days where I was excited to come home and I was excited to open up my computer and have a good conversation with a guy who I'm who I uh, think is just awesome. His name is Brandon Radcliffe. I've been listening to him for like what is it, 2023, 20 almost 2023. I've been listening to him for like five years six years or something like that so it's cool to just kind of sit here and, and be able to talk to him and, and uh, talk about his his upcoming project that's coming out here that um is phenomenal and uh it's just it's just really cool brandon thanks for coming hang out with me dude i'm excited to know we just you know shop shit for the last 10 minutes and uh, i'm excited to shoot it for another 45 or so 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 thanks for coming hang out with me i appreciate it thanks kyle thanks for having me man i appreciate oh. it and uh, i like you am very much looking forward to this i made myself a little mimosa listen i love it you know, yeah, let's go. I love it. You know I'm what I in living room here? Just this is about as casual as it gets. I'm in the basement, man. I'm in the basement. <laughs> We're in the living room. Rolling. We're good. <laughs> I uh listen, I, I always think, right? So you got you got the, the kitchen behind you there, and I got this blank wall. I always thought I'm like, I should just do something really cool with this wall. Cause there's cause there's all these these zoom calls that I get on. I got this boring wall behind me, and like it's fine, but I can throw up like some like cow picture or something like that. Yeah, here. yeah, of course. Right. Dude, I'm, I'm way in on that. I think, look, I mean, I'm all about some like good art. I mean, this thing back here, I know you can probably barely see that thing, but that little poster is, I robbed that from my mom because it's like a Louisiana hayride poster. Yeah. Like, I just love things like that. I'm with you, man. It's like your eyes immediately, like, I mean, even mine, like when I'm looking at your room here, I immediately see the Yankees stuff. Sure. I got Mickey Mantle over here somewhere. Yeah, I'm kind of drawn to that. Like I'm immediately like, okay, yeah. I think this is what I remember is this, you know, and yeah. yeah, I'm with you, man. I think, I think this, you get a nice little, like some art back there, or maybe you do it on both sides. I don't know. So, you know, what stinks though. It's like in my, in my, like I, in my bedroom, my bedroom's like tiny. So I can't record these in my bedroom, but I got like some really cool shit in my bedroom. I got like this oh, yeah. big, like oil sign. That's like, that's like stainless steel that I, oh, that yeah. I bought for really cheap. That's sick. And nothing's themed, right? It's like all this random stuff, but it's cool. I got like a picture of Garth Brooks hanging up. I got like all these vinyl, yeah. uh, vinyl covers hanging up. Like that's all the cool stuff, but I should really just fill it all back here. And that's then, true. I know. Yeah. You might just have to rob from your own bedroom, Bob. I might I mean, have to. Yeah, that's, you know, that's probably your spot, but this, if this is the office, I'm with you, man. You Listen, might I might, I might have to do it. I don't know. I don't know. Now, listen, so, so, so you just say you're drinking a mimosa and I saw something cool and I want, I want to, well, I don't know if it's cool. I want to know if you've ever heard of it. Cause personally, okay. I've never heard of it until last week. And it was a, so I'm a, I'm a, I'm a beer drinker. Uh, I, I right. most part I drink beer and I saw someone, I forget what they called it. It was like a mimosa, like they used orange juice, but they poured a Miller light in it. So instead of like champagne, it was like a Miller well, light and orange juice. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's kind of wild, dude. All right, right. So when you say you're a beer drinker, what kind of beer? What's your go-to beer? What? Kind All right. Of well, beer? like typically, so I'm I'm never really like uh like no, nah, I'm not gonna try that. I, I stay away from like. Although I will say, I've had Guinness before, and Guinness is okay. Yeah, I'm like a light beer drinker. Right. Yeah. For the most part, I drink like like the cores. For me, it's the Miller lights, the okay. Bush lights, and like. If you throw in like there's like if, if I'm trying to drop a calorie, I'll drink like a Michelob Ultra, right? But I'll All drink right, like yeah. I'll pretty much try anything. I like Sam Adams. I like I like um, okay. there's a, beer, a brewery in Connecticut called Two Roads I really like, but I'm not like a beer snob. 
You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Okay. I feel you. I, I am like, so you, you're, you, you fall in the category of guys. Like I always tell people from my, some people don't view when I say man's beer, some people think of all kinds of different stuff, but I always tell people like, I have never been a fan and I'm still, I tried all my life to like man's beer. And in my opinion, <laughs> man's beer is like everything you just listed. Miller light, <laughs> Coors light, you know, it's all the light beers because where I'm from, all the dudes, dudes, you know, in Louisiana, it's like you, if, if you were going to drink a beer, it was one of like, it was Bud Light, it was Miller Light, it was sure. one of those, you know, light beers. And so for years of my life, I would, you know, you'd be at a party or like with some friends or something and people be like, yo, you want, you want a drink? And you'd kind of, you kinda, you almost feel kind of obligated. You're like, I mean, sure. Yeah, sure. You know, I'll take a drink. And I always would just kind of like pain my way through like <laughs> a beer or like a beer and a half. And I would just be like, dude, I can't. And I would kind of slowly, like I would put it somewhere and I would sort of like going about my night. And I finally got to the age. I don't know if it was like 25, 26, but I was like, dude, you know what? I've never liked man's beer. I'm going to like, I, I just, from now on, if somebody offers me, if I go over to somebody's house and they got a Miller light in the fridge, they go, do you want a Miller? I'm going to be like, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Really. The gesture is amazing, but I, I just can't, I can't do it. I, I, I would prefer something like, like a craft is as pretentious as it sounds like a craft, like some kind craft beer could be a bit much sometimes. Sure. But I prefer something like if I'm going to drink a beer, there's two reasons why I like craft beer. Number one, it just generally has more flavor than it does. This beer, is true. Right. I agree. Um, and again, I understand like if you're coming. So like a lot of guys will hit me immediately when I say that they were like, yeah, but you can't like if you're going to the lake or something, you can't drink like craft beer. And I'm like, touche. Like if you're going for like longevity, right? Like if you're okay. trying to drink a bunch of beers in a day. Then I totally get it. Like craft beer is probably not the move, right? You want something like a seltzer. It does. Whatever. It does fill up really uh, very quickly. Yes. I agree. And, I, and and that's kind of what I was gonna say. Like that's kind of what I my reason for liking craft beer is usually the alcohol and the just how it you know fills you up. You want less of it, right? So I yeah. end up usually like I never really drink more than like three craft beers, or it's like sure. just entirely. And they're small. also like way higher in alcohol percentage anyway. Yeah. So like doesn't exactly. really. Yeah, sometimes you might get like a double IPA or something, and it's like you got eight percent. You're like, good. You're boy. like, I'm good. I'm yeah, good. I'm like, that's solid. It. I can just coast from here. Yeah. But uh, but recently though, my on the bubbly conversation, champagne is kind of my. I have a friend of mine who kind of has hooked me on champagne because every time I went to his house, they would just have like mimosas all the time, like especially yeah. on Saturdays. And yeah, I was like, dude, champagne is is the move. You know, champagne's good, champagne, man. It's good, man. Cause you don't really feel like, uh, you know, you don't really feel like at my age now I can notice the liquor difference between like, like bubbly or wine or beer versus like liquor. Yeah. If you have liquor, it's like, dude, it could get hairy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could go downhill really quick. It never works. Where, yeah. It never, <laughs> never works the way you want it to. Exactly. But if you're drinking beer or wine or like champagne or something, like the odds it's going to be like a crazy night is probably pretty low. It's, you know? it's a lot slimmer. 
yeah. for me i get i get i get really tired so the more i drink the more the more mellow i get and i'm i'm already kind of like a cool common collected fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy right and so it just gets even more exaggerated yeah, so, yeah exactly right, that's where it comes from it's social so, social lubrication man it just exactly so funky, you know yeah exactly i i love it you know what's funny is pe- people ask me they say because i'll be like I, I get ripped on all the time because I, I go, I, I really needed just a good beer after this. And they're like, yeah, but a good beer to you is like a Miller Lite. I was like, yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, I understand. <laughs> I, I get it. I understand all, everything about craft beer. I totally understand. And I'm with you. I like it too, though. I do like it. There's, but I'm, but I'm not as like open to all of them. There's, there's a level of what I like, but my thing is that, and, and, and I'm not promoting this, but when I started drinking right i was i was there was limited things that i could buy yeah. i was limited sure. and i couldn't drink so i have diabetes so i can't drink all the sugary stuff wait you have right? diabetes yeah so i so i have diabetes and, and i'm type one? yeah type one dude me i got diabetes no you don't yeah you got <laughs> dude, Look at this. i know what Type one, baby. Unreal. Let's go. Come on. Yes, yeah. sir. Come on. No, no. So, okay. Wow. We're bonded for life now. Here right. we go. I like it. We can we can uh, we can share our uh, our blood sugar numbers while we're yeah, at exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. What was your latest A1C? <laughs> uh, 5.6. <laughs> oh damn, dude. That's yeah, it was actually pretty low. I'm not I'm kind of surprised. That's mm-hmm. impressive. Wow. I don't, I don't know, know how I don't know that I've ever had one of the fives before. My latest one was a little high. It was like seven point. But seven, seven's good. Seven's really good. Yeah, the doctor says life. the doctor told me anything under like six eight, it doesn't really make a difference. It's just a lower yeah. number at that point. I want to be. I want to be in the the sixes. To me, is like the that's solid. You know. Yeah, that's the cozy. Fives, fives is like. I mean, I think I was like five eight. Did I say five? I think it was like five eight or something. Like that. I mean, five eight. Still, still pretty low, which is still pretty, pretty good. I was pretty yeah. surprised. Anyway, Dude, wait. Sorry. Yeah, wait, yeah. Can, cool. can we? Can I? Can I ask a like a weird diabetes question? What, like, how long? I, have you, I mean, might as well. We got two diabetics on here. We might as well. How long have you had diabetes for? I've had it since I was in first grade. So oh, way longer than me. Jeez. Basically, my whole life. How, how yeah. long have you had it? Uh, since I was 15, 24. Wow, so you got it. You got in it high school. You're in high school, man. I always. Which is not a great time to get it, by the way. No, I was just gonna <laughs> say, I, I, you know, this is a great. This is a conversation. I feel like only guys like me. And you can really have, but like, I feel like, you know, a lot of times people look at me and they go, oh, you had it basically your whole life. And it's like, in some sense, like you go, if you're going off the time, you're like, that kind of sucks more because you've had it longer. But in my opinion, I'm like, no, it's actually, I think it's a blessing in some ways because I don't really remember life outside of having diabetes, whereas you still probably yeah. remember what ish what it was like going just not thinking about your sugar and like just sure. kind of like having a night where you're like you know whereas yeah, to me, like, the thing i always talk about especially when i talk to my wife about this i go i wonder like and i wonder if you've ever thought about this too but like have you ever thought about like if if there was a cure tomorrow like an ima- like just a magical cure came up and like you just instantly could go get it and you were done had no more diabetes like how long would it take you to like rid yourself of the diabetic like thought process. I don't know if I ever could. I don't know if I ever could either. I feel like it would take like a good decade of my life yeah, to like fully be like, oh, I can just go out and like, I don't have to worry about like my, like even this right now, like I don't have to worry yeah. about like, what is this orange juice doing to my sugar? Like I'm just drinking a mimosa, you know, it's right. fine. 
Like, I feel like that would take so long to unlearn that because it's just like, and people without diabetes, they don't really understand this. No, they don't. You, you just eat a snack. And like, if you don't have diabetes, it's just like, that's it. You just eat the yeah. snack. And it's like, your body just does what it does. You know, yeah. guys like me and you, it's like every single one of those just little tiny decisions is like, you it's a difference. Body. Yeah. It's a difference. It's like, I have to go put some insulin in or like, you know, do a temporary basil or like yeah. a, put a, you know, a bolus in or whatever. And it's like all that stuff, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, to me, one of those things that go, it's a very unique, rare conversation, but I feel like it's interesting to think about. I don't know. It would probably take me a good clean 10 years. It's, it's so crazy because it takes, it took, it, it takes like probably less than a year to figure it, like to, to finally, like to trick your mind to just do everything you got to do. But it would yeah. take so much longer to untrick your mind. Oh, dude, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's, it is truly like a lifestyle. It's a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like even going back to the drinking conversation, like every diabetic, well, I won't say every diabetic because I've known some guys who are pretty out of control. Sure. But I feel like for me, I've always been a very balanced guy. So like yeah. I, I love the balance of life and I kind of live in that, you know, the, 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 I try my best at least to live in that line between order and chaos or whatever. And I think part of it is just my personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe the fact that I grew up in like a very spiritual home or something yeah. like that, but I can't, I can't help but think, I think part of it is the fact that I'm diabetic because when you're a diabetic, you're not really like allotted those, you know, crazy nights, you know, like I know friends of mine, almost every friend I know, who, you know, and again, like you're saying, I'm not, not advising you do this in general, <laughs> it's not a good way to live your life, but I know plenty of guys who've gotten like blackout drunk and have tons of stories where they're like, man, I don't remember anything. And like, it just was a wild night. I'm like, man, I've never had ever had one of those nights ever in my life. Never, never had a blackout drunk night because I'm just trained to kind of find wherever that edge is and go, okay, this is as far as I know, you know, you know how far you can go. Yes, it can be be pretty damn far, but you know exactly how far it is before you fall off the cliff. Absolutely. You're like, dude, I can ride that line and I can get about as close as you can get, but I know when to go. Nope. No more for this guy. I I can't, I can't be out of control like that. Cause like it's for us, it, I mean, for everybody at some point it could be, but for us really it's life or death, man. It's, I mean, you're talking about like, if you don't, if you don't wake up, I mean, your sugar, who knows what's going on, you know, exactly. it's like, and it's sort of like one of those things where you're sort of trained to go like, because of that, I have my, I have always one hand firmly on the wheel. If that makes sure. any sense. Sure. You know, yeah, yeah, one, yeah. I can always kind of snap back to reality and go, Hey, dude, if you have to, if you have to, like, you gotta, you gotta, you know, check your sugar and like, you gotta kind of yeah. know, you know, what's going on. Cause if you're so out of your mind where you're like, and diabetics right now, you know, or non-diabetics right now are going to completely be like, what the hell's happening? Or they're going to think but, it's a cool conversation. I know, that's People true. People ask yeah. me diabetes questions every single day. Yeah, yeah, every exactly, single day. yeah. Uh, but if you're like, let's say you're, first of all, drinking, a lot of non-diabetics don't know this, but if you're drinking, drinking actually will make your sugar go low after a draft. So it, you think it would go high, <laughs> but you got to be careful because at the end of the night, your body's working to process all that alcohol. It can go low. And yeah. so then you can wake up and your sugar's like 40 or something or 30. Yeah. It's like it could be really bad. Um, but 
let's say you're like not really in your right mind, right? We've all been there before. You're drinking and stuff, and you're just like you're sort of think you're saying stuff. You're think you're you're not really thinking straight. But let's say your sugar's like two hundred and seventy or something, right? Which yeah. is high, but it's not like it's I've not like bring me the hospital high. Like we've all been yeah. two seventy, probably we've all more been often. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And let's say though you're 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 so inebriated that you're like, hey, I'm gonna put in like. I'm going to overshoot. I'm going to put in like a bunch of insulin. No, you're in a mindset where you're like, that makes sense to me. But like, you can literally put yourself in like a super dangerous position just by like one tiny decision. It's like you might put in, you know, 10, 12 units of insulin and not even be thinking about like, dude, I'm I'm not, I haven't eaten anything in hours. Like all I'm living off right now is the sugar that's in my system. As soon as that alcohol is processed, this roller coaster is going down. That's right. You know, and so it's like little things like that where you kind of as a diabetic, you're sort of trained to be like, dude, I can't let my nights get out of control. Because like if that happens, then you're drunk and low. And those are yeah. both crappy feelings <laughs> together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the crash of being low, dude, like, Ugh. oh, man, it's like it. It is like uh, it's an it truly is like an out of body experience because it like, sucks. I it hate sucks. it. Yeah, I it's so fun, it. man. That feeling of like sort of like losing your like for me too like and I and I gather you're the same way like I'm a, I'm a very talkative guy I like to I like to feel like I'm within my wits you know yeah. kind of have a good conversation but when you're low it's like even words and stuff sort of like they become like elusive and you're like you're kind of like trying to put together sentences and you're like man my brain I can't I you're can't here you're here and you're your body somewhere in this this area over here yeah it feels so weird and then i get i get really cranky so i have to like walk yeah, away yeah. from people because I, I, I snap on them and then you don't want that and it's like dude absolutely miserable yeah. miserable nuts what wow. a time dude, dude what a time. Diabetic talk man I i'm coming on my 10-year anniversary, man we're gonna have a party, <laughs> dude, have a party. Yeah, baby. november of this coming year is gonna be well i just had my nine years so then okay. in a year we're hitting 10. Wow. I'm going to have a party. Dude, we get, yes. Come you on. want in, you want in on the party? Dude, I would love to be a part of this. Let's time. go. Let's, Let's do go. it. Come on. <laughs> Let's do it. I love it. Baby. Come on. I love it. So, so let's, let's circle into music here. Cause this is actually a pretty yeah. good segue because for, for me, it's like, um, a, a big part of, of my, and I've always loved music. Like I've always loved music and I, I grew up on, on classic rock and I, and I, eventually kind of turned that into my love for country music and, and, and kind of whatever I'm listening to, it, it all stems from just kind of what I grew up on. Right. But at some point around that 15, 16, 17 year old time, when I was kind of going through it, trying to figure out what's going on and how to navigate life with all this, you know, all this, all these new things happening to me, yeah. I was like, man, and I always had music to go back to. And that's kind of about the time that I found country music. So um, for me, like when, when, when people ask, like, would you just give it up if you could? And I'm like, I mean, yeah, but also I think this, these last 10 years were really valuable because I, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot on, on how I want to live my life. So, so music was really important in, in that part of, part of my life. Do you use songwriting and, and just music in general to kind of, if you're having a bad day or, or maybe when you're a kid, right, you're in first grade and you have diabetes all of a sudden and, and right. you're, you end up, you know, five years later and you're like man why are all these kids doing whatever i want whatever they want but i gotta like worry about this like do you go to that stuff as a young kid and even now like does that is, yeah. is does that propel you to you know dive in music 
Yeah, I think uh, – I mean, <clears throat> I'm trying to tap back into those thought processes of – because in some ways, you know, like being a kid, like specifically the diabetic stuff, I mean, uh, but but even just teenage stuff. Like yeah. sometimes, you know, I time is really funny because sometimes you feel like that stuff was just yesterday. And then there's other moments where you're like, man, that feels like it was a lifetime ago. Like I almost struggle sometimes to connect the dots. Like I got yeah. to try to – and I think that's part of what maybe your job is as a creative person is to try to like tap back into those feelings as yeah. like an older person who can maybe understand them in a more nuanced way. Um, and for songwriting specifically, like now, I mean, that that is sort of the challenge of like songwriting. It's very tough. And uh, for me, it's the, the the hardest part is like taking this abstract idea and to uh, bring it down to earth into this tangible uh, thing that you and I have all experienced. Uh, yeah. It's, it's like, it's like distilling a feeling down into words and uh, melodies. And that is, you know, a lot harder to do than it, than it seems. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for me, like it's, you know, we've all had songs before that have like touched us or have uh, brought us through seasons of life or have made us feel human, made us feel less alone in the world. I think that's a common one for me is like, yeah. is when someone says something that you go, not only is this, you know, similar to me, or it's like, uh, oh, there's people, you know, that, that guy's a lot like my personality, but it's, but it's like, I'm not alone in the world. Like sure. this guy feels about this the same way I do. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, for me, it was guys like Eric Church, John Mayer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I grew up listening to it. I, I was lucky to grow up in a music family. So like I grew up listening to all kinds of cool people like like sure. Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Wonder and Marvin Gaye and, you know, Merle Haggard, Ricky Skaggs, a whole bunch of older giants, legends, you know. Uh, but as I got into my teenage years, it was guys like John Mayer, Eric Church, who who really made me see the value of writing songs in a whole new light. Because yeah. I think to your point, it was just the formidable years I was in that was kind of connecting with these, you know, growing pains of life. Um, yeah, like songs like War of My Life by John Mayer. You know, like when I heard that song, I was like, man, <clears throat> you know, and at the time, like I look back and I go, I'm almost 30. I'm getting close to 30 now. And it's like, um, I look back at that time and I go, I mean, you probably weren't going through anything that crazy, but, but, still, <laughs> but it felt like it yeah. in the in that moment. It's hard to like, it's hard to remember this. And uh, sometimes I think it's important to remind ourselves of this, but like when you're in those moments, even if it is small from afar, it doesn't feel small when you're going through it. And I think that's why music has this ability to like relate to people in those tiny moments. Cause it's like, man, you, uh, when you're in that space, you know, you don't want to hear people, you know, uh, what's that? There's a, there's a lyric from a song that used to, uh, that used to hit me and it. I can't even remember what it was. It might almost might even be like a gospel song or something, but it was like, <clears throat> with a heart as cold as ice, you can't melt it with advice. No one wants to listen to a list of things they shouldn't do. And it's wow. like, even that little lyric, it's like, it's one of those things. It's like, uh, it's a little bit like, uh, you can't bring, you know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. It's That's kind right. of, yeah, you know? Yeah. And when you hear a lyric like that, you're just like, wow, that speaks to me. I could see myself on both sides of that conversation. Yeah. I can see myself as the guy trying to talk someone into something or saying, trust me, dude, you don't got it that bad. But then I could simultaneously see myself being the guy being preached at sure. and being like, you don't understand. 
You know, right. it's like you can see yourself in both people. And I think that's what, I think that's what really great stories uh, do. I mean, for me, like storytelling in general is like, I've always loved storytelling. I think that's what I loved about music is <clears throat> I was always a big film guy. I love movies. Uh, as I got older, I'm not a huge reader, but I appreciate people who are readers and I try my hardest to read books uh, that are, especially books that are, you know, very wise or profound. And, uh, and that's the thing I realized, like, even if you go to like biblical stories, man, I mean, like I'm at the age now where uh, like C.S. Lewis says this, he goes, uh, he talks about, he goes, uh, he says, you'll one day you'll get old enough to read fairy tales again. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, it's like that same idea, right? It's like, you think that stuff is very simple, but when you get older in life, you start to go, dude, that stuff's more profound than you know. Right. You know, it, it says so much about your experience of life that it's hard to even, you could do a whole freaking novel just on like two sentences of something in that story. It's, it's right. profound beyond belief. And so I think my journey is I'm trying to, I'm trying to be one of those guys who, is autobiographical in the sense of I'm saying things that are true to me philosophically or right. maybe even experientially, but I also want to try to my best to tell the stories of my own generation, like be the yeah. poet of the generation, the same way guys like Bob Dylan and a lot of those guys were, where they take, you know, things that we all go through and they distill them down into some little three minute song and go, here you go world. Sure. And that's why it's so great, right? Like, cause we're, we're very similar in that aspect. Like I, I love the storytelling aspect of music too. And that's why when people say, Hey, being from Northern New Jersey, why country music? There's your answer. Right. I mean, right. and, 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 and why do I kind of close my mind out to other things? Because there is so much storytelling in country music that I don't have room for anything else. Right. Like, right. like well, not just country music, but like, but like country music and, and all it's like, sister genres like rock and classic sure. rock and and singer songwriter and bluegrass and all that stuff right like like that's why it's all that because that's what i want i want the storytelling aspect because i also love movies and i love that and i also don't read as much as i wish i would but i yeah, yeah exactly right and the ones i do try and read are guys like i'm reading like craig morgan's like memoir right now and it's phenomenal and like that's cool or like you know so i like to read stuff like that that inspire me but it's also all related to music so like that's why i would read it sure. um, so so it, it it's it's all it's all a form of of for us right it's all a form of storytelling and however you're able to get yeah. that out like i like to tell the story of you i like to sit here with you and get that story out of you and you, but you like to put your story onto you know like in words and into song and, and push it out yeah. so i think at the end of the day the whole umbrella factor of it all is just straight storytelling and i'm moving I, my arms and my hands a lot here but no 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 i did i look i'm a gesture guy too so. <laughs> but no i i am totally with you on this whole this whole I mean, it's a very abstract way to look at, it, but it's it's sort of what I think about. It's my thought process a lot. Thought process a lot of times is centered around this that, like, you know, whether we know it or not as human beings, like, it's kind of one of those things. Like, the more you learn, the less you know, and the yeah, older yeah. you get, the more you realize, like, dude, not only do I not know anything, but like, we don't know anything. None of yeah. us really know, anything. Yeah. We, or we don't know nearly as much as we think we do. Right, and. One of the things that I've realized as I've gotten older, and it's not through my own thought, it's through, you know, listening to a lot of 
mentors and a lot of people who are far wiser than, than I am, but, um, is, you know, we're storytelling creatures. I mean, that's that, like, that, that's kind of like special and unique to the human experience. Like sure. other animals don't tell each other stories. And, you know, even if you think of back like thousands of years ago, like to people like orating a story around a campfire all the way to like modern day, and there's all kinds of vehicles for storytelling to your point. I mean, this is, we're in some sort of way telling a story here. And right. It goes back to the idea of like, I was telling my brother about this the other day, like, you know, this is a very like philosophical thought, but like, even if like, if I asked you like, what'd you do today? And like, ask you to recount the events of your day, it would come out as a story, you know, you, yeah. you don't, there's no other way that your brain can think. You can't even actually make sense of what it's like to not tell a story like that, yeah. like, cause that's how humans receive information. And so- right. To me, songwriting, that's why I take it so seriously as I get older and I, I try to write, uh, I try to consider myself one of these people who, and we can get into this, the whole, you know, processes of, of writing songs and stuff. But like what I've noticed over my time being in Nashville is like there's there's very clearly like two schools of thought. There is the, um, what I like to call the probability approach, which is leans into the quantity approach of life, right? It's like, if I make, you know, a, if I write 150 songs this year, the likelihood of 10 of those songs getting cut goes up exponentially, right? Which is sort of like a statistical analysis way of looking at something artistic. Right. And I get that mindset. I totally hear it. And a lot of those guys are far more successful than I am and, and probably have much more money than I do. <laughs> but uh, for me, I have fallen in love with as I've the longer I've been in Nashville and the longer I've written songs, the more I've fallen in love with the quantity or the quality approach. Sorry. And the quality approach is more of a, you know, slow and steady wins the race kind of mentality. It's sure. like. I'm not going to write 150 songs this year, but when I do write a song, it's going to be like the best version of that song it could possibly be, right? Mm -hmm. And obviously there's subject subjectivity involved and sometimes people are like, well, you know, you say it's a great song, but I don't really feel that. And that's totally fine. Art has a way of, you know, you to each their own, you know, you yeah. have your own flavor ice cream that you love and it doesn't always have to be my, you know, flavor. But I can tell you that there are guys who philosophically go about their writing in those two different ways. And you usually can kind of put people in different camps based off of what their approach to songwriting is. Like if yeah. your approach to songwriting is the quantity approach, I almost consider it like lucky in some sense if you write something that's brilliant. Like you don't even know how you got there kind of thing. You know, whereas if you're going with the more quality approach, you're trying to let something, some spirit inhabit you, something speak to you that you don't even really know how to describe it other than inspiration, right? Yeah. That's that's it. It's just like you're inspired by this for some reason. And so you think about it methodically and you go, how do I take that thing that I'm feeling and how do I distill it down into a palatable, listenable, contemporary song? You right. know? And to me, country music, and I think you're right about this, like, country music and all the lanes that go under that umbrella folk singer songwriter bluegrass everything it's like they do that the best of to me any other genre like they right. they tell stories 
um, you know, and relatable stories, ones at that. Relatable ones, yeah. And sometimes those stories can be hokey. Sometimes they can be funny. Sometimes sure. they can be. Sometimes it can be dark and like, yeah. you know, like a murder ballad. It's like, dude, there's all kinds of crazy things they could tell. But to me, I think it, you know, regular everyday people, they hear those things and they go, whether or not you like this style of music, this is, uh, this is so relatable to people who are just living regular lives because it's like, right. you're just telling stories, man. Exactly. You know? we, we all live these moments. You listen, know? dude, I, I say it all the time is I say like, listen, like, like, yeah, maybe I'm not a cowboy or maybe I don't ride horses or I don't go and, and, and you play in a field and maybe I can hear my neighbor <laughs> sneeze from inside the house next door. But guess what? I live in a small town and all the experiences about heartbreak I've been through and all the experiences about love I've been through. And I, you know, like all, all these things that make a, the core of a country song is something that any typical person can go through on a daily basis. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's so relatable. Dude, you grew up in a town of like 900 people, right? I like, know. Yeah. Like, yeah. This stuff is so relatable. Like to, <laughs> to most people, to most Thank people, you. it's so relatable. No one lives, not everyone lives in New York City. Not everyone lives, you know what I mean? Like that's just most of the time, it's not the case. Now, it might be the footprint of someone's life more clearly than it is mine or than it is someone else's. But no matter what, if you listen to it, you connect somewhere along the way. There's somewhere there where your key connects with the lock and you open this door and you say, oh, well, here's all of this stuff that I've either neglected my entire life or just didn't know it was there until now. Yeah, for sure. That's well, why it's so cool, right? Well, dude, and to segue a little bit into like my music currently, like the the, the record that I'm putting out right Drive now, the bus, Brandon, give it to me. Drive the bus, dude. You're, you're, I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head because this is sort of like, to me, the thing I think is that's um, fascinating about it. That's really kind of, I don't even really, I can't even really take credit for this kind of stuff. To me, it's more of like a, there's a divine quality to it. That's sort mm -hmm. of out of my hands. I feel like I'm a vessel for ideas and whatever ideas come <laughs> to my head, I have to sort of just put them out in the world and hope they find people. But to me, like Taylor Two Towns <clears throat> is a very like, universal idea head to toe yes. the whole the whole record because the whole record is describing these things that if you're from areas that i'm from it is going to completely make sense to you but to your point if you grew up in new jersey or you grew up in new york you also know what it's like to grow up in a town and feel like you don't belong there and yeah. to go hey man i uh i love that i grew up here but this is, this is not my home. This is not my place. And I'm a traveler. I want to get out into the world and I want to see life. I want to experience life. And on that journey, there's tons of different highs and lows you go through. There's ups and downs. There's questions you start asking yourself. And then time starts to come into the equation, right? Like that's where I'm at. And that's why this record is coming out now is because I'm at the place in my life where I've been away from that town long enough. Yeah where I can look back at it, not just through bitter jaded eyes anymore. And I could see the pros and the cons and I can mm -hmm. go, Hey man, you know, there's actually a lot to appreciate about growing up in a town like that. And even yeah. though I left because it was not for me, I can't sit back and say that the people who stayed were wrong. Cause I, yeah. I don't know, you know, and like, I'm still living my life right now. You're still living your, we're both in our twenties. It's like, man, we got a long way to go. Right. Hopefully to the end of yeah. this race. Right. Yeah. And 
you don't really know right now, like how your life and the decisions that you've made are shaking out because you're currently living them. And so like, I can sort of speculate, I can think out loud and I can go, Hey, I think I made the right decision based off of how I feel and where the trajectory of my life is heading. But who knows if the, if the guy who stayed, maybe the version of Brandon who stayed in Cotton Valley, Louisiana and never left, maybe that guy's happier when it's all said and done. I don't know. But you'll never know. So it doesn't matter. You won't right, know. right. And you're sort of having this like hypothetical conversation, this really abstract look of life. That's like this hypothetical choice, you know, this, yeah. this road that diverges into one. And you're going, hey, you know, both of these things have consequences. They have a domino effect, a ripple effect that like cascades over into your life. Right. It becomes the narrative of your life, the story of your life. And they're going to be different depending on the decisions you make. Now, right. Maybe one's better or worse, but to your point, you really can't know that. You kind of have yeah. to just go with your gut, go with your heart, pick the one that you feel convicted by. But like even songs like, man, even even songs like Drove Me Country, which is the last song that just came out, which is personally one of my favorite songs off the record. Great song. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorites because I feel like the character in the story that I'm telling that guy is currently where I'm at. That that's that's who I am right now. Like I'm the dude in the story who left the hometown, who is almost ten years into a ten year town, and is going, "Hey man, you know, I love having the opportunities of the city. I yeah. love it. It's great. But I'm a country boy at heart, man. Sure. Like I grew up in the wide open spaces, and I the values of that life, and like the little small town." you know, things that I took for granted growing up, I'm more like those guys than I ever knew. And it took me leaving that place and getting out into the world to realize like, you know, I love being close to Nashville and I'll probably always be up here in Tennessee, close to Nashville. But the longer I'm here, the more I want to stretch my legs, man. I I go, you know, man, I want to, I could see myself living like an hour away from town and like driving in and kind of going, man, I don't like living up in the city right up next to people. And that's sort of just in my bones, man. It's like like who I am. And so the guy in that song is sort of like dusting off his boots and kind of going back to his roots a little bit. So I'm there, but at the same time, like you're talking about with New York and stuff, like at the same time, like, dude, you could be in New York and, and, born and raised in New York and never going to leave, but also know what it's like to go, dude, I got to get out of the city for the weekend, man. Right. I got to get out of here, man. I got to, I got to go see something that's not a bunch of cars and taillights lined up and skyscrapers. I got to go see something else. And so to me, that feeling is still relatable because you're like, dude, I, and that's what, again, like country music, I think does it so well because that feeling is whether or not you live in the city or not. You could live in Tokyo and still feel that way and go, dude, sure. yeah, yeah. I want to go see like a beautiful <laughs> field or like a mountain or something and just like not be in the city for a second. And yeah. yeah. And to me, I don't know. That's, that's the thing that is beautiful about music to me, man. It's beautiful yeah. about like making records is like, you're just distilling this thing down. That's like the universal thing that for as much as you're in my life are so different, that part of our lives we walk the same path, you know, it's sure. linear. We feel that together. And so, yeah, man. So I what I think is really cool, but you know, <laughs> I think you're right. Cause what I think is cool is like you just said before you said five minutes ago, you said, you know, maybe the, the brand in that stayed in Louisiana would be happier. Right. But we would never know because he didn't stay. So it doesn't matter. But right. 
what you did say, and I was going to say this, and you said it for me, which is great, is you said, I had to leave to realize that I don't want to be in the heart of the city. I want to be yeah. outside yeah. and come back when I need to come sure. back and go back out when I need to go out. But it, you had to go there and yep. go through those experiences to realize that you wanted to go out and to to kind of, you know, be who yeah. you grew up being and who you really well, are, right? And I always say all the time is like, is like I, my perfect medium is like 30 minutes outside a city but like not suburbs, but also kind of at the same time, like I want a nice land. I want it to be quiet, but I also want to make a 30, 45 minute drive in the city and call it a day. You get the best of both worlds. And I knew that when, you know, I went to, when I went to college, I went to some of these places, yeah. I realized that that's kind of what was going on in some of these towns. And I was like, Hey, I don't got to live right on top of New York city to, to, kind of fulfill this this idea in my head of how I want to live but I also don't want to go move to Texas and live in, like in the middle of nowhere there's a medium sure. somewhere, right so I think that it's cool that you figured that out and that you that's what you know what you want but what I think is really really cool is that I've listened to this whole record right like I've listened to the entire thing and it comes out in like three weeks as of recording I think it's like three weeks it's January 6th it comes out yeah. if you're listening to this right now it'll be out in like I think a week maybe two and please, I, I honestly, please just go listen to the whole thing because it, it is really cool. And it really does tell you like the coolest story about who Brandon is. But also like if you're any person who's kind of struggling with what their identity might be, it helps you with that too. Because yeah. it goes through all these experiences in life that pretty much everyone has gone through. I'm One of my favorite yeah. lines in these songs is in Grow Apart. And it's like a fairly simple line, but it's a cool line. It's Man, we grew up a couple of houses down. Man, we ran that town. We were only 13, but we were thick as thieves, right? A cool yeah, yeah. line because how many kids grew up in their small towns, riding their bikes, going to parks, getting in trouble, you know, like going to do yeah. all these things that a kid is supposed to do. And you, we, we were talking about, you know, like thinking about and going back to those times of when you were a kid and pulling those, those experiences and those thoughts. And that's like the perfect example of it, right? Yeah, it's man, like absolutely. Well, and there's there's another there's another line. I love that song too. And and I first of all, I appreciate all the kind words, man. I thought thank you so much. I mean, it means the world to me. But uh, there's another line in that song, the second chorus, the 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 line before the hook. It's kind of one of those songs where the line before the hook always changes. Yeah, which is sort of onomatopoetic in some way because the song is about those changes in life, sure. you know. And uh, there's a line that says. Uh, uh, it says you're growing every day. You're always changing who you are. I guess you either grow together or you grow apart. And yeah. like, it's sort of like me getting to this age where I realized like, dude, life, it, you're always evolving. Like you're yeah. never, you, 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 there is no such thing as staying in the same place. Sure. You're, you're moving in one direction or another. You just don't know it. And you might not be cognizant of that, but it is like, it's happening. Right. So you're sort of going into this whole like dualistic life, you know, the dichotomy of these choices. Right. And like, yeah. to me, going back to the thing you just said before this, which I think ultimately, if I could distill it down to one simple sentence, I think this is the reason why I was the type of guy who would leave this small town is that I'm not okay with the what if that's, yeah. that's kind of in a nutshell, why I left is yeah. Very well. I might have stronger relationships back in Cotton Valley, Louisiana. I might have a simpler life. I might have, you know, 
there, there's more house for your money there. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of pros to living in that area, but I couldn't live with myself not seeing the other side. I, I, I just, my personality was like, dude, I can't do it. I can't stay and always think to myself, what if I left? Sure. What if I would have gone and done this? What if I would have tried to write songs? And I know guys, and that's, that's honestly a lot of the inspiration for Taylor Two Towns, the title track came from that idea of like, I know these guys, like I know even my own dad, my whole life, you know, told me that he was like, he, he was one of those guys. I used to think he was harsh because <clears throat> when I was first leaving Nashville, I had a huge like affinity for my hometown. Like I, I loved my hometown. And I always thought I was going to move back. I was like, I'll move back to like Minden or something like right up the road from Cotton Valley, live a simple life. You know, that was my, that, that was my goal. Um, and I, Nashville was sort of just like a, it was something I would do on the way. Stop to along the way. Yeah. Stop along the way. And uh, my dad would always kind of tell me, he's like, dude, never look back, like run, get away from here, go do something with your life. And I would kind of look at him a little bit like, you know, it's like a little insensitive sometimes, like a little bit like, man, you're not really understanding where I'm coming from. And the message he was trying to convey to me was, and he even kind of said this to me at once whenever I finally, because he was the guy who officially kind of pushed me out of the nest. He was the one who was not a musician, who was not a, a dreamer, you know, he was a blue collar, hardworking dude. And he was like, man, there ain't nothing for you in this town. Like there's no opportunities here. There's no resources. There's nothing that you, a guy like you, you need a bigger pond. You need something to flourish in. Otherwise you're going to stay stagnant forever. You're going to just be here and you're going to be just like me. And you know what just like me is? The guy who's in his fifties now still wondering what life would have been like if I'd have left. And it's like, he's trying to tell me, he's trying to say, Hey, I know it sounds harsh, but there's a lot of guys like me here. There's a lot of dudes just working for the weekend. They don't <laughs> love what they do. They actually just never really have thought about what life would be if they would have chose that path. And unfortunately, when you live in small areas like this, <clears throat> I'm living through some of this right now with some people in my family, but like you kind of have a window, you know, of time where you can, you can leave, but what happens is when you start planting roots anywhere you go, it becomes incredibly difficult to just up and leave that life. Like as the years roll on and that's sort of what grow apart is talking about in a different light. Sure. It's talking about like those relationships that like you, you, you start growing into this ground and it's like, you can't just rip that tree up right. because there's going to be so much collateral damage that comes sure. along with that, that you're a lot of times when you're thinking about that, you go, I can't just, it's not that simple for me anymore. It's not that cut and dry. I can't just leave. Right. Whereas when you're, when you're 20, when you're 19 and you say, I'm going to bolt out of this town, you know, sure. You're leaving folks behind and stuff you're leaving your parents and, you know, brothers and cousins and stuff like that. But like, you don't really have, you're still young. You, you don't really yeah. have a lot of things tethered in that like permanent way whereas right. dude, the moment you start having kids you start getting it's just like man it's difficult man it's like you start playing roots you go good luck like if yeah. you really want to leave it's going to be a lot tougher for you and so you are sort of faced with this like you're left in this the boat that that i'm sort of in and we all sort of are in which is like whether you pick to stay or you pick to leave you're left with these hypothetical questions on both sides. And you have to wrestle with, did I make the right 
decision right. that I am not happy with overall the results of my life, even though there's probably some doubts and thoughts along the way. And, you know, for guys like me, I think, you know, because I love what I do and I feel passionate about what it is that I do and I've got a great wife and I'm building a family up here and I've got friends. And I feel like for me, it, it's ultimately was the right decision, even yeah. though I know that where I'm currently at isn't what I consider home. You know, that's because that's the other side of it is like when you leave a home like I had growing up, like the house that built me or whatever, yeah. you the struggle is then to go like, when are you going to feel that feeling again? Like, right. when are you when are you going to find something that feels like home again? Because if I'm being honest, I love Nashville. But ever since I moved here, I I haven't had a place that felt like the home I grew up in since I left it. Sure. You know? And so it's paradise lost, right? You're kind of going like, I want whatever that is again, but I know it's not where I was. Right. And it's like, everybody's got their own version of that. You know, every, everybody's got to wrestle with those decisions and think like what, you know, I know plenty of people on the other side of the coin who never left their hometown and who would probably argue with you, argue with me right here that they're like, man, I'm, I love my life, man. I'm happy. Sure. I, I work a great job. I got good. I got family everywhere. And it's like, Hey man, good on you. I love that's amazing. But this record is sort of like, it's supposed to at least make you think about the journey. Right. And make right. you go, hey, there's questions on both sides of the fence. You know, there's regrets on one side. There's what ifs on the other, you know, it's like there, there's, yeah. it's both sides, you know? And that's why it's a, that's why it's a, a tale of two times. Not that's two. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. That's why it's two, not just a tale of one town. Yeah, because yeah. it is. It's, it is. It is both sides of of the of the page, and, and you know, I think that that's why. Like, and we all this entire the entire time we've been sitting here, we've been talking about why why music is relatable in terms of your everyday life, and we're we're you're you're explaining it, right? You're explaining what this record is about, and and it is your life in a nutshell. Like that, that is exactly what it is. And honestly, like I've told you this, I've been listening to you for like five years or so, and I've, I've heard everything you've ever put out and this, and I said this, I will pull up the text receipts. I said this to my buddy. I said, I just listened to Brandon Radcliffe's new record. And I think by far it is the best project that he's physically put out himself. And, and, it's really not touchable. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting here, but I really did listen to it. And listen, I, you know, I, I listen to music all the time and there's some stuff, like you said, like it's, you know, some stuff is your cup of tea and sometimes it's not, but this entire thing, there was not one thing I listened to where I said, this one's not doing it. Cause every single song was something there. And I, and I was able to relate somewhere in every song. And that's exactly what you want to put, put forward. That's, that's how you want to, you know, market yourself and you yeah. are, you're being totally honest with people. What I think is really cool here is that this is volume one, right? Like these, these, yep. th this is volume one, volume two is all instrumental, right? Uh, for right now. And well, that, yeah, yeah. For right now. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, right yeah. now, which I think is really cool is that it's all, it's all kind of instrumental right now. And it's like this blank page book basically, and you can fill it in. Bingo, um, yeah. What was your thought process around doing that? Because it's yeah. different. It's totally different, right? For sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, dude, th I mean, again, I thank you so much. And I want to see those receipts, you know, but I so appreciate that because to me, like Taylor two towns was kind of like a new beginning for me. Like it was, sure. it was, it was, uh, and this is, you know, probably a song for another time, but like it was 
COVID specifically, the whole craziness that was happening in the world was it gave me this unique silence at, at a very specific age I was at where I was sort of already kind of maturing and growing up and yeah. asking myself a lot of these questions. And so tail was kind of like this, you know, this musical baptism for me where it was sure. almost like this, like I woke up almost overnight and realized that I didn't want to sing songs anymore that were arm's length away from my life. I wanted it to be almost uncomfortably real. Yeah. And I think that ever since then it's revolutionized the way that I write songs because I feel like, I feel like uh, when you do that, when you dare to suck, you know, when you kind of dare to be who you are, I think that's where you find common ground. Like regular right. people kind of hear that and they go, man, that's obviously speaks to you. And I, for me, it's, like I said, it's kind of cascaded over into my creative life. And so I can't get away from it now. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the whole like idea of having the tale of two towns being sort of unfinished in some sense was born out of the really, really tale of two towns volume one is like a fresh handshake for me. You sure. know, it's, it's, it's a growing up record about everything that has happened to me basically since leaving my hometown and all the questions I've had along the way. And like the, like we were saying a second ago that like, what if that like hypothetical, you know, is this the right path? Is it not the right path? What is it? And Taylor G. Towns, I had I, I written this song called family business and family business was really like a super, probably one of the more autobiographical songs I've ever written. It's <clears throat> straight up about me why I do what I do, you know, yeah. why I'm in the, in the, the music business. And for sure. me, it's kind of like I, I was grandfathered in, in some sense, like that's right. how I wrote the song. And at the very end of the chorus, you know, it's like, thank God I ended up in the family business. And my manager, you know, always heard that song and was, it was like, man, that, that song just feels like it's so good, but it just, it feels like too, it almost feels too solidified for the end of this, this first because at the time we had had this song called there's another song on the record that actually now ends the uh first volume called mm -hmm. sad song yep and when you hear you've you've heard sad song obviously but when yep. when the audience hears sad song you'll hear why there was sort of this weird like it almost felt strange to put a song after that one because it was sure. very like this is the period at the end of the sentence like this song is the yeah. way you believe it, you know and so Family business felt a little bit like my manager would always say it almost felt like the, uh, you know, if you go see a play, you know, there's the final scene and then everybody comes out on the stage and they do one last final bow. Right. Family business almost felt like that song, right? Yeah. It felt like the credits rolling, the end, everybody comes out. Ah, oh, thank you so much. It's a celebration. <laughs> it worked out great. And John was a little bit like, you know, it almost feels a little too declarative to put that there. It's like, you almost need to put that out into the world. Sure. Like this is you speaking your, you being in the family business into existence. Right. Sure. But, it, but it, this, you putting out this record is you kind of on the journey to figuring out if that's right. You know, how will people resonate with this music and like what you're doing? And so, so then once we knew that it was going to be out in the distance, we were like, man, and for me, it kind of only made sense because the whole the whole record at that point had started feeling very dualistic, like everything, like you were saying, was Tale of Two Towns. You're looking sure. at all the sides. And so then we were like, honestly, what better way to do that than to have like another unfinished conversation? 
especially once the dance kind of begins with your fans, because to me, that's the thing as a creative person I look forward to is like, you know, I'm living in my own head constantly. Like I'm all my thought processes are very insular. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm thinking about what it is that I'm going through in my human experience. I'm trying to say that and hope that you relate to it. Right. But there's this unique thing that happens with artists where you put that thing out into the world. And then there's this dance that kind of starts where it's like, sure. now you can give me feedback and I can hear that feedback and go, okay, so this is what you're resonating with. I can either do more of that or less of that. And then I can also let you maybe inform me as a listener, something that maybe I'm not thinking about right? and put that into this tale of two towns that I'm sure. trying to tell for all of us. Sure. And so that to me is kind of the cool thing about leaving it open-ended is yeah. you're sort of going like, Hey, you know, there's obviously still thoughts I have about this stuff. And there's plenty of songs I've written since finishing tale of two towns, volume one sure. that are probably in the hunt for being on that record. But uh, at the same time, I love kind of the not knowing of like, hey, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe once I put this record out, a lot of those blanks will be filled in by stuff that I'm not even thinking about right now. Right. Which I think is cool. Yeah. And, and, and there's something cool about that. That's like, you know, letting the fans kind of also like it's, it's almost a weird like it's very like going back to our previous when we first started. This is very like Internet culture way of like thinking. Yeah. You're almost like sharing this like conscious thought process with a whole group of people and you're trying to get some sort of like amalgamation of like sure. opinions and thoughts that you can go this is how we all feel about this right volume two you know <laughs> right. here it is yeah, here's here it is. like here's the pre you're basically making a prequel <laughs> for a sequel yes you know exactly. I mean? yes so like which i think is super super cool and and it's, it's open-ended and that's the best part is like, there's just so much room for something else. Yeah. And like, cause you know, you're going to put something else out, right? Like it's going to happen. Even if it wasn't, even if you didn't have volume two on the way, like you were going to put another record out eventually. This wasn't going to just stop. Like you don't just like end the book and then just like close it forever. Like, right, like, right, like right. there's going to be something else. So yeah. you might as well like already prime it and like sure. kind of start going on it. And then, you know, when you're ready, you'll start pouring into it. And I think yeah. that it's, and there's so much meat, there's so much meat on the bone for this. Like, that's the thing I've noticed is the further you dig into this, like this thought process, there's so much meat on the bone that you start to go like, I mean, you could call it a day at Taylor Towns volume one, kind of move on, but there's just so much left unsaid that you go, I don't know. There's so much things you could still talk about. Um, I mean, the, that you weren't able to get to in 18 songs, right? Yeah, exactly. And that like, I'm still currently going through and that like, yeah. Like for me, like right now, the place I'm in, like I finished that record before I had my first child. Now I'm about to have at the end of this year, beginning of next year, I have my first child. I'm going to have a, be a girl dad. There you go. You know, and, and then I'm and then I'm on my way to still like we were saying a second. I'm still trying to find what home is for me and for us and for, you know, and so I'm still having this conversation in my head yeah. of like, I'm still going through it. You know, I'm yeah. not done with the race. And so there's something cool about to me as an artist about going like, yeah, these were all my thoughts leading up to this moment. And now I'm going to introduce you to all these thoughts and have that fresh handshake. And then from there, let's figure it out together, sure. whether we're on the right path or not. You know, like I, I, I want to kind of go through this with the people and go, 
what do y'all think about this? You know, I'm sure because like you're saying, like everybody's got thoughts about this and we can all kind of learn from each other. And, and you know, no one person is necessarily right about everything. And so right. for me, there's this kind of like opening up my creative process to people that is exciting to me because it's like something I've never really done before. Sure. Um, and it's very different than just like, you know, you cooking it all on your own. And I think I can, I'm kind of at the place where even that, you know, that dichotomy of both of those to me is in and of itself kind of a tale of two towns, yeah. a tale of two records, you know, how to, how to make two different projects. And like, this one was you just in your own head, living in your own world, cooking stuff up and saying, here you go world. And the next one is you post giving that one to the world going like, now I hear all your feedback, hear right. the stuff you're saying, and I'm going to try to take that in and make something not only hopefully goes with this, but even accentuates this project. Exactly. Some, exactly. Know? And you know what? I hope that if, that if you're listening to this now and, and you listen to this volume one, that it excites you for volume two. I, I hope that it says, oh, now I want more, right? Like I got 18 the first time. Give me another 18, you know, give me, give me, give me more, give me more. And that's exactly what you want. I think that it's, that it's awesome. I think the process of the record is so cool. And I mean, like I said, you know, just the listening of the record, I, I love, and I'm just excited for everyone to hear it and, 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 you know, for, for that to get out there in the world. Are you going to consider, I'm this is a question, since it's going to be volume one and there's going to be a volume two, would you consider putting it on vinyl? I feel like it'd be a great vinyl uh, record. Dude, I, I have my heart set on a vinyl record. Like honestly, and again, put me down is, for one. Yes, I will. I will. This is not to, you know, uh, say anything bad about anything I've ever done because I think, you know, the road to how I got here was obviously purposeful and, and every step along the way has some meaning to it. Um, but nothing I've ever done before creatively, in my honest opinion, now deserved a vinyl pressing, even though it's probably good. And I know I'm going to probably yeah. get people commenting and be like, dude, rules breaking up and <laughs> all that. Like, great. I love that you love it. And and I love it too. I have a special place in my heart for those songs, but this stuff, eh, man, it's just to me on a whole nother level. And it it is the first thing that I've ever done where I've truly been like, this deserves a vinyl pressing. Like this, sure. this record feels like the kind of record that you would hang on your wall and go, that's, that's a record right there. Bingo. That's uh, and so it's putting me, it right there. Yeah, that's putting right, it right there. there. You're putting it right there. <laughs> All right, next to Mickey Mantle over there. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Next to Mantle and Reggie and those guys. <laughs> oh, right there. Come on, man. I love it. I love it. Hey, never, never trash uh the uncovered version of Living for the City. I don't yeah, care what yeah. to say. Don't trash it. There don't trash it. I love that one too. Yeah. Come on. I love it. Everybody, dude, I have been. I have followed you from the buzz cut days to now the absolute head of lettuce days. Look at this. Guy's got head. He's practicing on being a girl dad. He's going to have one. I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm getting ready. Man. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Dude, thanks for coming to hang out with me. Thanks for talking about the record. Thanks for, for, for just being a cool dude. And you might be the coolest type one diabetic I've ever met in my entire life. And I'm looking at myself. Right. I mean, come on. Feeling but, uh, very mutual, man. Seriously. That's right. So much for having me. Seriously. This was awesome. Uh, I, of course come, come back anytime come back anytime you know where to find me come find me we'll do it again i don't care and uh you know one day we'll we'll have a a, a beer or a mimosa together and not a not a not a man's man's beer we'll have we'll have a good beer <laughs> we will have like one one day i'm putting it out there we'll have like a 
a person to person meeting and we'll have like a, we'll, we'll have no other choice but to film it because I feel like we could rattle off for a couple hours. Yeah. It'd be uh, great content. Yeah. It'd be awesome yeah. content. <laughs> I love it. Everybody you can go follow Brandon on Instagram at Brandon Radcliffe, all one word. Uh, you can go and keep track of the record and, and, and updates and, and, you know, all the good things. The new record comes out in, in three weeks, January 6th, uh, tale of two towns. It's fantastic. Uh, you'll love it. I love it. And um, listen, when, when it's out, go and go and share it with your friends, go and share it on Instagram, go and tell me that you're listening to it. Tell me your favorite song, share it with Brandon, do all the good things. This is a phenomenal record. And, and seriously, I think that if you are, if you are a country music lover, or if you're new to country music, either way, it'll kind of hit you somewhere. You'll find something that you can relate to. And, and that's the best part. And that's what we've been talking about this entire time. So uh, everybody go, go follow Brandon on Instagram and, and, and go follow along with his music and, and pre-order that record. And, and when it comes out, give it a spin or, or a hundred hundred million spins, give it as many spins as you can. Uh, this is another episode of the Remember Country Music Podcast. Remember to rate, subscribe, give us five stars. If you love the episode and follow us on Instagram at RCM underscore podcast. New episodes come out every Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, wherever you listen to podcasts podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. It's there. Go share with your friends and um, do all the good things we say you can do week in and week out. Everybody, this is another episode of the RCM Podcast. I'm Kyle Corbus. That's Brandon Radcliffe. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.